0: This is an Area Code Podcast.
1: You're listening to Table of Malcontents, where Aaron Armstrong, Dave Schrader, and Scarlett Hildebeitel talk about the books they love and a few they really don't to help you be a better reader. everybody welcome to today's episode of table of malcontents i'm aaron and with me as always are scarlet and dave guys how are you doing oh
2: sorry yes. i'm good how are you
1: <laughs> great great you know we're in um, week 473 of our social distancing experiment
0: here um yeah. Uh, where where are we in the movie? You know, the movie. Somebody's like jotting down notes in a script right now. And where are we on the, in this script? Oh, Is it like are we just delusional right now in that part? Yes. Like, people are denying it still, but like, you know, people haven't you know converted to zombies or started. I think we're you know,
2: delusional. I delusional. don't know how I'm doing yeah. it at any given moment.
0: <laughs> well, okay. I mean,
1: considering people are talking about drinking bleach and Lysol to try and cure this thing. Really, I mean.
2: Oh goodness! Yeah.
1: Well, you know, you know, yeah. Dave. Uh, Dave tweeted the morning that we recorded this that uh, the, of the things he never thought he would have to do in his life, one of them was um, read a press release from Lysol. Um, and yet today he did, and then I did as a result. So, uh, so that's a two-year, two-week-old joke now, everybody things just you know things could be so much yeah, worse yeah when you
2: guys when you hear this yeah this is t- two weeks ahead of time so who knows what's going to be happening when this that's releases right.
1: that's right this is a dangerous game that we're playing everybody recording two weeks in advance because it means that the world could right. end before this actually airs
2: or it could be like the day the world is ending when this airs and you're like how you doing and I'm like I'm great and it could be the day the world ends yeah. so
1: that's
0: right we'll that's see. right yeah that's <laughs> Well, hey, uh, let's just go right into this. This we we have uh, we have a guest, Drew Dick, with us now. Drew, welcome. Uh, and I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just going to kind of just kind of go that way. You know, way. that was some okay. good cultural appropriation. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. So we're. But I've noticed that I have met more Canadians since I started uh, doing this podcast with Aaron. So I don't know what this is. So I. I but then again, Drew, you and I met independent of Aaron, but I just feel like, you know, I could feel like, kind of like the force. I'm not going to say the Lord. I'm just going to say the force, just kind of bringing <laughs> you two together. And I thought, if I can be like that for the sake of this podcast, then here we go. So, Drew, yes. welcome.
3: Thank you so much for having me. And I think it is the Lord, actually, who's bringing Canadians into your life. It's a clear <laughs> blessing.
1: <laughs> okay.
3: God's chosen people in a way. And so... That that's a huge blessing.
1: Well I like to think so. Uh, (laughs) Wow. The Jews might object, but (laughs) Or the Americans. You know Or the Americans. Maybe the maybe the Mormons? No, no, not the Mormons.
0: No. No. You you are the other chosen. How about that? (laughs) There you go. Are we are we the frozen chosen?
1: Uh, Oh that's perfect. That's perfect. It works. (laughs) <laughs> there we go. We did it. Uh, <laughs> Not a Calvinism uh,
0: joke. Canadian joke. Everybody. <laughs> oh, Scarlett, we need to exit this right now. We're yeah. Done. Hey, I gotta We're go, done. you guys.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I, I will. I will say this. You know, since Drew, you're you're in Oregon, right? That's where you're living right now, right? That's
3: right. Yes. Okay. I de- I defected long ago from Canada. Yeah to uh the states as we call it in canada uh mm-hmm. so i've been south of the border now for 20 years is it yeah it's been that long Wow, now, man and so when wow. i go back home i am very suspect like they're like you sound like a southern politician <laughs> and, yeah so i'm only kind of like half canadian at this point but i still own it
0: <laughs> so they'll, call you you a, they'll call you a southern politician yet you've lived in chicagoland and oregon anywhere else i'm missing
3: yeah, no, I've been around the States. Okay. I've Okay, I didn't know so that. Okay. I lived in Pasadena for two and a half years. I lived okay. That's in... That's where
2: I'm from. Oh,
3: no way. I love yes. Pasadena.
2: First Baptist Pasadena, I was born in Pasadena Hospital.
3: Amazing. It's a beautiful place. Like, yes, it is. We wanted to stay, but we didn't have $3 million to buy a townhome. So. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and I lived in Florida for a stint, too, like a year and a half.
2: Me, too. Um, We're in Florida. <laughs>
3: uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, Lake I Mary. Know. I don't know okay, if you know what don't know that, what is. that is. It's no. like it's twenty minutes from Orlando.
2: Okay, we were so, in yeah. South in Miami.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah. love Florida. Like people complain about Florida; like, it's too hot and there are bugs. And I'm like, this is incredible. I was like, in the winter, I'm out swimming in the apartment pool uh, where we were living, and I'm like, this is incredible. I've been frozen mm-hmm. my whole life. Finally, <laughs> I was able to thaw out.
1: That's right. We were thinking about doing that our first winter down here in Tennessee. You know, because it was seventy degrees outside. It was right? amazing. everyone's like it's freezing what are you doing in the pool and i'm like are you kidding yeah paradise no No, i uh i i don't care i even if i ever actually acclimate to the weather um i am not going to wear a coat on principle unless it is snowing
0: amen Hmm.
1: amen stay stay canadian brother that's right that's right i'll do it a i can do it (laughs)
0: Aaron, yeah, you're you're only in year four of this. So. I'm
1: I'm almost at year four. That's right. Okay. All right. Yeah. By the time uh, quarantine lifts, maybe it'll be four years. Yeah, Aaron, you still sound
2: much more Canadian. You sound much more Canadian than Drew does to me. Well,
1: my Canadian accent's coming back a little bit. Um, it, it, it is. Because I can
0: confirm that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because yeah. I was around Americans all day every day at <laughs> uh, at the office. And now the only interaction I have with Americans is via Zoom. And so mm. I'm talking to my family a whole lot more, which, I mean, is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, because they're, they're nice people and I've grown quite fond of them. But, uh, <laughs> but, they, uh, but, you know, they have their accent and I have my accent. And, uh, you know, mine's becoming more like theirs again. And I respect that.
3: <laughs> mm. So are they Canadian too? Everybody is Canadian <laughs> in my Everyone house. Everyone is Canadian in your house. Okay, okay. See, my wife is American, which ah. raises the question: How Canadian are my kids?
1: We're gonna have oh. to get some genetic testing done or something. Well, but, they're yeah. at least fifty percent, <laughs> at least fifty percent genetically. Right. Genetically. <laughs> now, now legally, here's the uh, here's the question: Do they have dual citizenship? No, not yet. Okay. And so mm. last
3: time I went home, the guy at the um, the border was like. First of all, I felt like an idiot because I gave him my American passport, and he's like, uh, "So you're Canadian?" I'm like, "Yeah, how'd you know?" He's like, "It's got your birthplace right here." So, uh, um, <laughs> I said, uh, and then he's like, "Are you, do your your uh, kids have their citizenship yet?" And I'm like, "I had no idea that you can do that." Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, "You better get on that, eh?" And so that's right before before they take it away. Exactly right.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So well, right. yeah, we'll we'll do that, and then they'll be a little more Canadian.
1: That's important. My kids um, are all 100% Canadian because my wife is 100% Canadian and I'm 100% Canadian. Um, Although I'm following in the footsteps of um, my grandparents actually by um, all of us being – you know, if we ever pursue citizenship in the U S then we would all be first generation Americans. Um, right. and, and my grandparents were first generation Canadians and technically my dad is a first generation Canadian as well. Are you so. going to do that?
3: Are you going to, are you going to renounce your Canadian citizenship? You have, well, on, you have to spit on a
1: picture of the queen.
2: It's well, really I
1: mean,
3: we,
2: you know, I don't
1: think, I don't know that my wife would have a problem with that. I mean, she's, she's pretty anti, anti-monarchist at this point <laughs> as it stands. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just happy to be here. There and you go. That's um that's the attitude. You know, it just depends on which oligarch is in power at that point, yep. um which which way the wind is blowing. And uh, you know, we'll see. Yep.
3: I got my I got 3 anchor babies. As I call nice. them. So there's no way they're
1: getting rid of me. Here. Yeah, see, we had joked about um you know, the possibility of figuring of do we wanna plan for do we wanna do we wanna see how a fourth can come into the family? And if we did, Ooh. that mm-hmm. one would be named Anchor.
0: <laughs> there you go. Anch- <laughs> Anchor Armstrong.
2: That's right. Anchor Armstrong. Would <laughs> it, that
1: would be that would be his or her middle name. Absolutely. <laughs> that's awesome do it do it (laughs) you know what what i'm amazed by my wife is shaking her head no (laughs) from another room she doesn't (laughs) know what's (laughs) going on here but she's like no sense the disapproval
3: yeah (laughs) 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 you know what's uh, funny to me still is how americans react when they find out you're Like first of all, they they just think it's funny. They start yeah. laughing immediately when I tell them I'm Canadian. I don't know what it is. Huh. And and they'll believe just about anything you tell them about Canada. That's right. I can tell them I, you know, grew up hunting polar bears on the frozen tundra and people just go for it. Um, and and I have to say this too. Sorry, I gotta take a little dig at the Americans, that their knowledge of Canadian geography is somewhat lacking. So the best response I've gotten so far is when I told someone I was from Canada. They're like, Canada? Is that the capital of Toronto? I was yes. Like, yeah.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's a weird one. Okay, that's out there. But.
2: <laughs> Drew, what part of Canada are you from? Let me see if I know what, if I can picture yes. it in my mind. Okay, what well, part? I'll be really
3: surprised because okay. it's a smaller town called Red Deer, uh, Alberta. I know Red Deer.
2: Uh, you know Red Deer? I Canadian.
3: do know Red Deer. Of course you yes, do. I lived that's in cheating. Alberta,
1: man. <laughs> or did you? Where'd you live in? So, um, well, I mean, I'm I was born in Ontario, but um, so sorry. No, um, I do Everyone hates, hates Toronto. So guys, for, the, for our American friends on the show and for our listeners, this is our sidebar. Um, everyone in, in Canada has a there's a concentric circle of hatred um, that's related <laughs> to related to Toronto. Um, and so everyone in Canada, except for people who live in Toronto, hate Toronto. Um, that's accurate.
2: Why? Why is that?
1: Because most of the people live there, and they think the world revolves around them, and because it kind of mm. does. And so we're all a little bit bitter about that. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's that's gotcha. that's point number one. So every so jealousy thing. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's all about power. It's it's kind of like how. Um, you know the major cities in the United States, where a lot of the cultural power resides. There, so New York, L.A., before it became a post-apocalyptic wasteland, Detroit, <laughs> um, for music at least. Um, you know all these kind of things. Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal are are those cities in Canada but everyone hates toronto because it's where the ontario government is it's where there's just more people than anywhere else there's more everything and the traffic is terrible so Mm. so that hatred extends out to ontario so everyone in ontario hates hates toronto the most but Mm. outside of ontario most people will hate they'll hate on toronto specifically but then on Ontario and Ontarians in general, largely because they all used to live in Ontario. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I lived in, uh, Riley and St. Albert and high river, um, which is uh, high river is just South of Calgary. Uh, yes. so those were three places that I lived, but I'd been to red deer and, and a few other places, uh, back yep. in the day.
3: What I tell people is it's near, it's like an hour and a half north of Calgary. Most people yep. know Calgary because of the Olympics yeah. in 88. Mm. So that's, yeah, that yeah. kind of put, and it's just one province over from uh, British Columbia, which is right on the coast.
0: Okay. Yeah, okay. There okay. you have it,
3: man. I, I, yeah. I
0: love some of the names of some of these cities. I'm, of course, yes, I'm looking at a map because I'm that guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, White Horse, uh, Yellow yeah. Knight. Moose Jaw, I mean, Moose Jaw, man. My uh, it,
1: my sister in law lives in Saskat, uh, Saskatoon, um, which oh, wow. is a great name. Uh, yes,
3: in Saskatchewan, Saskatoon. Yes, my, my wife calls it
1: Saskatchewan. So she
3: well, kind of. I mean, it used to be Saskatchewan and, uh, town.
1: So. Oh really? Oh, yeah, <laughs> probably okay, that, that makes sense. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm sure I'm lying, but uh, but you know, um, I always enjoyed um, again because you know as a former than returned Ontarian. um, I had to, um, I had to hate on my fellow Ontarians a little bit when I came back from Alberta. Um, So we, I remember in school reading, um, uh, I don't remember the name of the book. I wish I did, but it was, it was related to the first nations experience um, in Canada. And this was in like seventh grade. And, um, it involved a town that um, that is in El- that's in Alberta called Wetaskiwin, yes. And um, and so the Ontarians could not pronounce this because they'd never seen it before. They'd never heard it pronounced, and so they were like trying to do it phonetically, and we're like Wetaskiwan. I'm like, <laughs> no, it's Wetaskiwin. And I was, I, I as a twelve year old, I may or may not have been. Uh, Swearing, so <laughs>
3: they are some weird names. Uh, you know, you there grow are. up with them; they seem normal,
1: but yep, it's true. <laughs>
0: it's true <laughs> i don't see Scarlett, this is what happens they get in this talk and we're just kind of sitting here like we don't know what's going on we don't know where they're talking about we're amused by it because the names are fun no doubt about them.
2: yeah we're definitely amused
0: Scarlett, you and i are just kind of sitting here like i just don't know what to do i love you people i really do <laughs> but the names are so entertaining <laughs> so uh no what i was saying was uh uh Uh, I feel like whenever um, I kind of look at Canada, I feel like, man, it seems like a nice place to go in the post-apocalyptic world. You know, I mean, it's it's certainly I figure things are going to get heated in the world. So let's go to Canada. (laughs) Let's go north. Um, I I don't hunt, but I feel like, you know, it's got to be rich in those types of resources. Um, And you would have a good time. Like people I don't think would want to eat me. I think uh, I think they'd want to be friends, and they have good laughter. Um, So I'm telling you, when I check things on my list, and I have a list, guys, all Mm -hmm. right, going north is on my list. So. Well,
2: Dave, I got to tell you. Oh, sorry. I interrupted you. Keep going, please.
0: No. Oh, Oregon's on my list as well. So, you know, any commentary in Oregon, Drew, go for it, please. Oh man. Well, I don't know. I'm,
3: I'm not a native Oregonian, but I have lived uh, (laughs) here in the Northwest for a total now of seven or eight years. It's funny because, okay, the, the people we like to hate on here in the Northwest are the Californians because they're the ones who you know, sell their expensive home and then move up to Oregon. And then it's hilarious though, because someone will be ripping on the Californians and I'm like, okay, so where are you from? And then they're from somewhere else invariably, because most people are transplants here. Uh, But yeah, Oregon is, it's not a bad place to be uh, at the end of the world because we got a lot of trails, most of which are closed now, sadly. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully two weeks in the future when this airs, something will be open. I tried to um, do a little trip out to the coast, which is an hour and a half away from here. But you can't get a hotel room unless you're an essential worker. So I, mm. I called this hotel and the lady's like, okay, well, you have to be an essential worker. And I'm like, can you define that? Is like a, a writer-editor uh, an essential worker? And sadly, I am not. And so anyway, but yeah, and, and you're right, Dave. I think Canada's a great place to go. You know, in an apocalyptic scenario, because it's already a little apocalyptic up there, depending on where you are. And then social distancing, I mean, there's like one person for every 300 square miles. This is true.
2: But what I was going to say was that my my small experience with Canada was in Vancouver. And I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I had a hard time making friends. They were, people were very friendly, but I felt like I couldn't get into anyone's inner circle.
1: Well, Mm. and that, and that is actually, um, quite accurate for the canadian experience because that's the that's the challenge of the british heritage
0: largely So for the
2: end of the world like dave we might be knocking on someone's door and they might just not answer
0: that's it's actually but, correct too especially for americans yeah exactly. uh, yeah they're that gonna it, say no it. no
1: you guys are gonna get eaten by the wolves
2: we're going to yeah. have to look elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> the end of the world. Yeah. No,
1: that, okay, this is true about Canadians, okay?
3: The, I think one of the big misperceptions about Canadians is that, oh, they're so friendly. And we are, but sometimes it's like kind of a surface thing. Like, everyone's really polite, but Americans are are way friendlier. Like, I remember yeah. when I first came down here, I'd be, at like, at the grocery store, and some stranger just comes up and starts yakking at me, and I'm like is this person kind of unbalanced or like what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's not every American obviously, but it, people are just uh, far friendlier, I think south of the border. Uh, and so, yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's one thing I will say, I hope I don't get, you know, disowned by my fellow Canadians, but
1: not by this one. It's I mean, true. you know, the two of us, we've already been disowned by Canada. Um, that's true. And that's yeah. fine. What am you I know, hanging Tim, on to anyway? Tim Challey's, you know, he he, he, you know, Hurts my feeling every time we talk because he doesn't <laughs> recognize that I am a Canadian anymore. He's like, No, oh, you're only half, yeah, because you don't live here anymore. And I'm like, Well, how dare you, sir? How dare, <laughs> how dare you? But, uh, <laughs> but no, I think that is a good point. I mean, I mean, really, what people confuse about Canadians is, um, mistake for really that what they mistake for friendliness. Um and sometimes his politeness is actually passive aggressiveness. Ooh. Um I mean just look at Justin Trudeau and uh the way he the way he does some stuff in the public. He um will uh what he'll do very often is he will uh in these global forums, he'll sit at the table and he'll he'll you know quietly listen. And you know he might provide a little bit of feedback, um, and this was this is a, a real world example where uh, it was during like trade negotiations um, recently, and um, at the end of it all, he's like like in the meeting he's being real agreeable and stuff like this, and then at the end of it, he has a press conference and he's like, Canada will not be pushed around, and it's like, really, <laughs> really. <laughs> <laughs> I me mean, what yeah the, the I, don't, big I don't breakfast follow. is gonna cause some trouble here
3: <laughs> <laughs> i i don't follow canadian politics i'm ashamed to say enough you're not um, missing anything <laughs> i'm not missing much i know i know I, and I see my friends on facebook that are you know uh, always uh, angry about something up there but anyway i will say this about trudeau though uh he's got a pretty strong sock game have you seen his socks oh, so have colorful- not. Yeah, this is a, this is the thing he does. He's got great hair and great socks. He's got these colorful, funky socks all the time. So mm-hmm. that's I'm, all I know. I'm
2: googling know. this now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, guys, did I share? I can't remember if I shared with you um, the the um, the remix of a clip from a press conference that he gave recently that was all on uh, coronavirus protection measures and stuff like this, and. Uh, he in this press conference he had he was talking about things that you can do wearing a mask and things like this and he said you know to avoid speaking he's like and he just it was just a slip and said speaking moistly yes and, I uh, saw that it was, it was they so <laughs> some joker <laughs> Turned this into a song um, like they did with the Kenneth Copeland COVID-19 rap. And it is amazing. Um, but what's really funny is, is in the press conference, he basically knew this was going to happen because he was like, oh, that's not a very pleasant image at all. <laughs> so... <laughs> he's at least <laughs> self-aware enough to know about some of the goofy and stupid things he says. So that I appreciate about him.
3: Uh, here's yeah. to hoping speaking moistly doesn't enter the, the popular lexicon
1: too late. <laughs> yeah, too late. Please, You're right. Please. Yeah. Ironically it's there. So, um,
3: yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like we've referenced the latest, uh, um, social faux pas or amusements, uh, going on, especially the Kenneth Copeland, uh, a rap which is if you haven't seen it listeners it is uh lovely um but, but i do have a i do have a, 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 a it really is I, I caught myself like rapping it the other day which is terrible <laughs> oh it gets <laughs> in your head it, it it's awful <laughs> it does Oh, uh, then it's the piercing eyes through your soul um okay <clears throat> so, no Drew, serious question. <laughs> kind of serious question. What do you love most about the online world right now? And then I think we kind of know what the worst is, but if you want to shed any light on that too. <laughs> like, uh, I'm serious. Like, What do you love about it most? Because you are one of the most fun people to follow on Twitter.
2: Yes, you are. And, oh, thank and- <laughs>
0: you. <laughs> yeah. So well, and I really like yeah. you keep you keep us happy right now. So thank you just in advance. So there oh, you go. There's your question. Thank you.
3: Very kind of you. First of all, I gotta say something about the Copeland thing. So yes, I ha- I too have watched that uh rap video of his blowing prophecy thingy too many times and it's got stuck in my head. Here's the most unsettling thing about him though, is that he kind of does these like really scary looking facial expression, Mm -hmm. followed by smiles out of the blue, these really creepy (laughs) smiles, right? Anyway, It's the combination that's just really creepy. Okay, so as far as like the favorite things online right now, um, you know, what I find, and it's a little cheesy sometimes, but people that are like posting uh, pictures, videos, stories about the funny things that are happening right now with their family life. I don't know because I'm I'm in that boat right where I got three younger children at home. Of course, we're stuck here twenty four seven, and it's it's challenging at times, maddening. And so when people have like funny little videos or something like that, I just I love those. Um, now the worst. Did you ask about the worst? Mm-hmm. First, okay, yeah, the worst.
0: <laughs> if you if you want to answer that,
3: <laughs> you can tell I obviously wanted to go there. Um, Dave's I Dave's think- Twitter. <laughs> that's right (laughs) thanks for complimenting my twitter dave but i was you (laughs) know i i think that the the most challenge well other than zoom zoom's pretty bad right i'm getting a little sick of zoom meetings but it's all good um (laughs) and good things happen over zoom too but i think all the experts and i put experts in quotes there that are you know that everyone has an opinion about this virus about how it's going to go who's to blame and sometimes I'm like is it okay just to say that maybe I don't know that I don't know what's going to mm-hmm. happen I don't know who's completely to blame um because it is funny and I'm, there's an expression for this that I love that um oh what's his name John Dixon he's an Australian scholar uh, church scholar um early church scholar. uh, And he calls this competence extrapolation. That is when someone is an expert in one area, say it's theology, but then you decide I'm an epidemiologist as well. And I'm (laughs) going to opine (laughs) on, you know, where coronavirus and and how we can get rid of it. Um, So that's, that's something that's a little tiring at this time when people have way too much time to spend online to begin with, and then they think they're an expert in everything. There you go.
0: But what if they are an expert in these things?
1: <laughs>
3: I mean, then they, they are, are watch
0: bloggers at that point.
3: So <laughs> there you go. They're quick studies.
0: <laughs> oh gosh. I know. <laughs> it's like it's like they've all come out. They all feel like they've got something to say. It's really funny. Uh oh, right.
3: and I've been guilty of it myself. Okay. I mean, I get it, right? You read like three articles and listen to a podcast, and you're like, Oh yeah, I know all about that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I
2: better say something. And about that,
1: uh, yes, <laughs>
0: I, I think it's also it's funny. Like you know, certainly we we don't lack information. The question is, you know, uh, what's uh, what what is relevant, what is trusted, and I guess that's uh, debatable uh, these days. Um, and then just as you said, like it's okay not to say anything <laughs> too. It's okay wait. to it's okay to wait. And, and see what happens because the reality is like, you know, history is going to judge all these things when it has the opportunity to really look at like w- w- with the benefit of that context to look back what's happened and also why people reacted this way or that way. It's because this is the information they had, you know, at the time. And uh, yeah, but it's uh, yeah, but we're not there yet. That's the point. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. And yeah. I think that
3: I, I, I compounds mean, the issue is that, um, social media doesn't reward nuance and thoughtfulness, right? It's a short form medium, especially Twitter, where if you come in hot and you just like, this side's totally bad, or this is what's right, that actually gets more retweets, attention, comments, uh, and, and the algorithm actually prioritizes that in people's feeds because of the engagement it gets. And so that's problematic as well, because th- those nuanced voices that are a little more circumspect get lost. So that's just one thing. I think mean, that's a perennial challenge. Obviously, it's not just during this this crisis, but it's certainly exacerbated, I think, by the moment we're in.
0: Well, maybe this is a segue, because I do want to talk about your book, Your Future Self Will Thank You Very Much. I kind of want to <laughs> add that in for some reason. Um, no, that's no, the no, sequel. But it's, it, it, I know this this is the that's right (laughs) I know and you had to work thank you uh maybe an apology in there for being Canadian too or something like that but (laughs) uh, um but no I know it came out last year but uh you know being early 2019 right um
3: that's right January 2019 so yeah over a year yeah
0: Tell us a little bit about it. I'm going to read for the purpose of everyone else the subtitle. You know, it's secrets to self control from the Bible and brain science, and then Princey is a guide for sinners, quitters, and procrastinators, which makes me laugh because I'm like, oh man, this is like
2: <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> uh,
0: it's, it, it's yeah. I'm. I'm. You have to tell us about how you came up with the title and subtitle there. Um. I mean, I'll just say this one thing. Like right now, people have this opportunity at home to address a lot of these issues that they can easily put off in the past so I kind of want to hear your thoughts on that next but tell us tell us a little bit about it
3: sure yeah well the title is like the longest title ever I think and actually they're like three <laughs> titles <laughs> and it was a long painful conversation actually because there were a whole bunch of earlier titles that you know we weren't quite totally happy with uh, and, and for, and you know, all about publishing, but it's a very collaborative process, which I'm grateful for. uh, And yet it kind of stretches things out anyway. But I remember uh, I was having a conversation um, uh, with my editor and I just said, you know, I self-control can be kind of one of those boring uh, topics (laughs) that sound kind of finger waggy or Victorian. And so I'm like, "I I want to emphasize like there's a benefit here. Like your future self will thank you. If you are serious about this topic, and then I was like, "Oh, you your future self will thank you," and that's that became the title. Um, and then sinners, quitters, and procrastinators—I figure that gets everyone. So you know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine when you're working with the marketing team, I'm like, "Okay, who is this target market again?" Right. Oh, everyone. <laughs> everyone.
3: <laughs> so someone, someone <laughs> recently said to me that they said, "Well, I'm not a sinner uh, or a quitter." Or a procrastinator. And I said, that's okay because my book is for liars too. So <laughs> <laughs> <For you. Yes. laughs>
0: that is awesome. Well, yeah, I mean, and I know. You know, if you look at the fruits of the spirit, like you kind of, you know, you have love, joy, peace, you know, and it goes down and then self control, like hits with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> like, right. let me take this perceived fluffy Bible verse for a second and I'm just going to throw it down in your face. So you understand what's going on here. Um, why do uh, I, <laughs> this seems like an obvious question, but like self-control, um, like to, I mean, this kind of goes with the online question, but like how, how can we best practically do that? I know it seems like a duh, but like online right now, everyone's online. How do they best exhibit that?
3: Yeah, no, it's a great question. And you're right, too, about that Galatians 5 list. It almost seems a little out of place, right? If I was writing that, I Mm -hmm. might leave it off because you write all those beautiful, lofty virtues, love, joy, peace, Mm -hmm. and then you get self-control at the end. And (laughs) one point I make in the book is that I I think self-control is so crucial, though, because it's one of those virtues that enables all the others. So it's Mm -hmm. hard to love people if you don't have self-control because to love people, you got to put your own interests sometimes side in order to love them. Uh, And if you think of any virtue, really, whether it's generosity, um, honesty, I mean, all these things take self-control. And so I think maybe I'm speculating, but I think maybe that's why it's in that list because it enables those other virtues. Uh, And yeah, that's an interesting question too, about like online, how can we practice self-control? Because when you talk about self-control, most people think of like, okay, maybe lust or not eating donuts or, and of course it's, it's valuable for those kind of things. But I think it's also essential for resisting, you know, taking the bait when someone you know, puts a dumb opinion out there and then responding angrily or going into a partisan rant or just getting nasty. right? Yeah. Um, and these are, these are new things. I mean, Christians even 20 years ago didn't have to, deal with these things. These are, mm-hmm. are definitely new. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I don't have like an easy answer. One thing that kind of impressed me early on when I was researching this topic was, um, uh, the research about willpower. So willpower just defined as the ability to do, to hold out against temptation or to do something difficult. Uh, researchers find out something fascinating about 20 years ago about willpower. And it's simply this, it's a finite resource. You only have so much of it. And Hmm. so they've done all these experiments where, you know, people's willpower gets depleted. They call it ego depletion. And that leaves them very vulnerable to temptation or to giving up. Uh, And so that was something that made a huge difference just in my own life. I could see like, okay, if I'd had a really hard day at work and I'd expended a lot of willpower, then I'm more likely to maybe be a jerk to my wife or snap at the kids or something. And it's not an excuse. (laughs) Um, But, and And I started to think about the biblical stories, too, like about Elijah when he has that huge you know showdown with the prophets of Baal uh, on Mount Carmel, and then he goes and cries in a cave, right? So it's like mm-hmm. we're we're finite creatures. This isn't a surprise, I guess, you know, when you when you're a Christian, because this is how, The Bible describes us, I think, as these finite, fallible creatures, Uh, but just being aware that you have this limited willpower, this precious commodity of willpower, Mm -hmm. and you have to preserve it and you have to get the rest that you need, the breaks from the hard things that you're doing uh, in order to make sure your willpower reserves are high, especially if you're going into a difficult or tempting situation. So that's just been Mm -hmm. something. And then, you know, another thing, I wish I would have put this in the book. I didn't. All the advice I give in there, any sort of life hacks you see or anything, none of it works without sleep. None of it works without mm-hmm. sleep. If you don't have <laughs> a good night's rest um, and you try to you know, yeah, sleep three or four hours a night or something stupid, uh, that is mm-hmm. the most devastating thing. And this is from the research that you can do for your willpower. It just totally mm-hmm. depletes it. And then you're a sitting duck for whatever vice that you have. It's just very difficult to operate that way.
0: Wow. Yeah, I, I just want to know how to stop biting my nails because I wrote that on here on my nose. <laughs> me too. Girl,
2: <laughs> <Drew, laughs> no. please help but, us. Okay. But Have you this tried time ele- you paint electric shock? <laughs> <Yes.
0: laughs> no, no, my my wife has gotten to the point where she like will slap me and, uh, and, and she's trying to slap my hand away, but it ends up being like a face slap, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> I don't know. The only thing I have ever
2: found that works is fake nails and you probably shouldn't do that. So I don't know.
3: (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Mm -hmm. slapping. I mean, that's one thing I haven't tried that uh, for bad habits, but no, and that's, that's a seemingly silly one, but I can, I get it. That's, that's a common thing. And there are a lot of kind Mm -hmm. of little, you know, quirks or ticks that we have things that we want to cut out of our lives. You know, one thing that I think is really valuable is, um, writing down a script for how you're going to respond when you're tempted to do something, even like biting your nails. Okay. So you go, you, you predetermine a behavior that you're going to do instead of the the biting. Here's the other thing. Often our habits are triggered by, um, uh, some sort of a negative emotion. So when we're anxious, maybe you're more likely to bite your nails or you're bored or whatever the case is. So recognizing some of those triggers and then uh, committing beforehand, okay, instead of biting my nails, whenever I feel that, that tug, I'm going to go and, I don't know, let's spiritualize it. I'm going to pray for someone, right? <laughs> I don't know what it is, right? Um, or it could even be something else, like, okay, I'm going to go for a walk. Or, and so that every time you kind of feel that, that desire, that trigger to do something, you have an alternative behavior. Another uh, huge part of this issue um, is Habits we 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 tend to think that most of our behavior is just the, the product of conscious thought. Like we're just kind of going through our lives, like these rational creatures and deciding what to do all the time. But the truth is most of the time we're just defaulting to habits, these mm-hmm. unconscious routines that we have in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and one study showed that about 50% of all of our actions are the result of habit. And so mm-hmm. that was a big part of this mm-hmm. for me is looking, I, I read all the books about habits and there's the habit loop. It's got three parts. There's the the cue, the thing that initiates the behavior, there's the routine, the actual behavior, and then there's some sort of reward, some payoff for doing that. And as you go through that habit loop, um, cue routine, reward, cue routine, reward, as you do it more and more, it gets cemented into place. And so it becomes very hard to break. And that can be a good thing if it's a good habit or it can be a really bad thing. And the key to breaking a bad habit is replacing it with a good one. So I'll give you an example from my own life. So, um, for as long as I can remember, I always wanted to start my day by reading the Bible, mm. and, um, and for a couple of reasons. First of all, if I if I don't start my day, i read the Bible. It's not going to happen later in the day. I just don't get around to it. Um, but when I try to do that, and I swear, like I go to bed, i would be like, "Okay, tomorrow's the day. I'm going to do it. I'm going to even five minutes. I'm just going to you know wake up and read a psalm." I'd never do it because I realized I had a bad habit, and the bad habit was I'd reach for my phone on my nightstand as soon as I woke up you know, sleep still in my eyes and I'm pulling up Twitter or I'm jumping on email or I'm checking the news, which is fine, but it wasn't the day, the way I wanted to start the day. Um, And it was preventing me from reading my Bible. And so eventually, I mean, I tried a few things, but then finally (laughs) I had to uh, get the phone off my nightstand and drag my big black Bible out of retirement and plunk it down there in its place. But the beauty was uh, I was already condemned to roll out of bed and consume content but now instead of reaching for my phone, I was reaching for my Bible. And just that little switch made a huge difference in my ability to actually read my Bible in the morning rather than jump on my phone. So that's uh, you know, silly little life hack, but it's made a big difference for me.
0: No, I, I remember uh I remember Wax sharing that with me. It others too in the in the room, but just that fact of your temptation is absolutely to go there. And first of all, we all work in this online world. So it's not as though there's not value in certainly right. the, of having this level of engagement. Gosh, we're talking online right now uh, through this. I mean there, there Wait, there's, we are? there's <laughs> 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 um but he says like just just imagine you starting your day out that way of of, of wow. being rooted in God's word, like of how that sets the tone for everything else. And the reality is I I have a good habit of Yes, reading my Bible and reading books to start the day before a television goes on I'm still catching myself going to my phone and I, that was been one of those things like why because I take it downstairs why can't it just stay down there it certainly can what's the you know but but the point is it's um it's it's uh, it's not so easy, but the habit as you build becomes then this kind of natural thing of like okay, I've gotten through this and uh, it's a wonderful beautiful thing um. But, but you got to switch that gear, right? And I guess then it becomes like, how do you just switch the gear? Right.
3: Yeah. And no, and you're right. And the beauty of a good habit is that once it's in place, it doesn't require a lot of willpower, which, you know, as I said, is a finite resource. You only have so much of it. Uh, So when you're doing, when you're in the process of following through on a habit, you're not expending willpower or very little anyway. And so, and and some people think, well, that's almost like cheating. if, If you have a good habit, say praying or reading your Bible, but I think that's actually when you're, when you're starting to build real character, it's something that's habitual. It's something that be- becomes a pattern in your life. Um, and I think that's okay. That's just how that's how we're wired, is that when we do something repetitively, it takes less conscious effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, that yeah, that was a big part of this topic of self-control that, you know, I just thought, okay, if someone has a lot of self-control. It's because there's some sort of ninja who can sit there and like muster up the willpower and the sheer determination to do the right thing every time. But it's awesome. All- often the person who's built in these habits to their life that can kind of carry them in a way.
0: Love that. I love that, <laughs> man. All right. Um, let me pivot for a second too. So so Drew, What is it? Been two years you've been at Moody now. Is it, am I getting that right? Is it three years? I'm, it's I'm, been four Four? And oh, yeah, God. four. I can't, and I can't like, believe it. You
3: say, no, you okay. said two, and I'm like, yeah, that's about yeah. right. And then I'm doing the math. No, it's been four. It's just how wow. things go. Okay.
0: So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. so, so I
3: am uh, acquisitions editor at Moody, uh, which is a great job. I just love it because, you know, the way I describe it is I'm kind of in ministry, but more like, you know, the, the guy in the support uh, uh, supporting role for, Uh, especially church leaders. That's kind of the space that I acquire for books that are for um, pastors and other church leaders. Um, And it has a little bit of continuity with my previous role, which was um, I was managing editor at leadership journal, um, Mm -hmm. which was for pastors as well. So Mm
1: -hmm.
3: yeah, it's funny. My, um, you know, growing up, my parents, um, the way the, the kind of mentality, my dad was a pastor and You know, when you grew up, the best thing you could be was a missionary. Well, actually, no, or a martyred missionary. That'd be even better. Um, And then (laughs) if you couldn't go. Yeah, I know, right? That's pretty hard. We only have serious Christians in Canada. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. It's a hardcore, okay? Um, And if you couldn't be a martyred missionary, then, you know, you could be a pastor. Um, And none of, I have three brothers. None of us turned out to be missionaries or pastors Uh, But I think I'm my mom's favorite because I am kind of in ministry. So (laughs) uh, I'm the golden child. At least I like to think so.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, no, it's good. By the way, I really do miss Leadership Journal. is a great publication. You, did oh, thank you, job stewarding it. It really was. No, uh, I
3: drove it right into the ground. That's what I like to say. No, no
0: I wasn't going to go there, but you know, it's, <laughs> uh, but the world has changed a little bit in terms of how we absorb content. How about that? Yes. Uh, so, uh, my way of putting it. No, no, no. I, I think you know. There's lots of things where they have their time and place, certainly, and that's lived on in different ways. Of course, it's just uh, um, you've got to go with kind of how they are. So, um, yeah,
3: and uh, you know, I should add too that. So, I still have a a small role with CT um, a, as one of the contributing editors for CT Pastors, yes. and CT Pastors is the the online equivalent of what leadership used to be. Uh, so that's still going. So yeah, if you're listening to this, especially if you're a church leader, check out the content. It's good stuff.
0: Okay. All right. Excellent. All right. So tell me, what are the kind of books that uh, kind of keep you going at a personal level, not just with work. With Moody, I know we'll interact on, on things that will really fit that kind of audience, but what about like on a personal level? Like what what are you reading?
3: Yeah. So um yeah, and it, it's tricky. As you know, when you're in, in this world, it's like, when you read for work, you've, you've got to be uh, intentional about reading other stuff. And honestly, I don't think I am as good as I need to be with that because like, I need more fiction in my diet. I was an English major, but I'm ashamed to say I don't read enough fiction anymore. Anyway, um, but yeah, as far as what I'm reading right now, uh, I got a couple books going that, that, have, uh, that I'm really enjoying. Uh, one is called Dominion, How mm-hmm. the Christian Revolution Remade the World. Uh, by Tom Holland, and this is not Tom Holland who played Spider-Man, or at least <laughs> don't
1: think so. <laughs> That's really disappointing. <laughs> I
2: know.
3: At first, I'm like, man, this guy's got range. He's he's writing these 600-page uh, uh, history books of Christianity and starring in superhero movies. But I think and Andy's
0: different. like 17. <laughs> so yeah, Right, right.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's a, he's a pretty. Uh, uh, exceptional mm. young men. Um, benefits anyway, of the education system. Maybe that's it. It's wow. yeah, because he's English, right? I mean, yeah. 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 In <laughs> fact, does. they're both English, I believe. Okay. Um, mm. But yes, Tom Holland. It's so. It's basically this, like, it's a monster. It's yeah, six hundred pages mm. uh, examining Christianity's influence on Western civilization, uh, and it starts mm. at like five hundred BC and goes all the way up to the present day. And the fascinating thing, the the dude is not a Christian. He well, he calls himself a Christian atheist, which is weird, but he basically he was um he's a scholar specializing in ancient Greek world and culture. And he started to realize that the the values of the ancient Greeks were somewhat abhorrent to him, because of course they had no problem with slavery and they were kind of casually cruel and, and awful warlording sort of folks, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, why does this disturb me so much? And he realized the truth is because I'm in, you know, product of Western civilization, I have inherited my ethics from Christianity Mm -hmm. uh, along with their concern for marginalized people and, um, you know, bizarre beliefs like sexuality is sacred and Mm -hmm. that people have inherent worth. And and so he, he realized, and so his, his book is basically arguing that, the reach, even on you know, post-Christian cultures, the reach of Christian ethics and morality are so far-reaching and, and really unappreciated by a lot of secular people because they just take for granted that, of course, we should you know, care about poor folks and about marginalized people and that in sexuality consent matters even these ideas he traces back to the Judeo-Christian heritage anyway so fascinating book it reads like a novel which is awesome it's just like an engrossing read um, and so and I'm only like a quarter way through maybe but it is fascinating absolutely fascinating
1: interesting awesome.
3: There you go. So there's a plug for Dominion. The other one I'm reading right now is uh, The Decadent Society, uh, which is by Ross uh, Douthat, the New York Times columnist. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, that's a fascinating thesis, is basically, we're in this stage in history, at least here in the West, where um, and what he means by decadent isn't like we eat too much chocolate cake, which we probably do anyway, but he kind of means that we're like uh, not dynamic as a culture we're not future oriented like we used to be we're sort of resting on our laurels and Mm -hmm. not losing hope here i got a I got a quote i gotta read to you this is amazing okay he, he this is how he describes it he says we are aging comfortable and stuck cut off from the past and no longer optimistic about the future spurning both memory and ambition while we await some saving innovation or revelation growing old unhappily together in the light of tiny screens I was like, oh, no. (laughs) So that brings it right back to the phones. There you go. You see what I did? There we go.
1: Thanks for bringing it around. And people are listening (laughs) to this probably through their phones. There you go. And like Dick
3: said, phones aren't categorically bad.
1: There
0: you go. There you go. All right. I feel Worse after this conversation. I don't know what to (laughs) say. Well, that's that's usually how (laughs) conversations with Canadians go. That's right, man. (laughs) We love bringing you down. We love bringing you down. Everyone's
1: got to be equally unhappy. (laughs) <laughs> and uh and we're gonna be fine so on uh on that note guys we've got to wrap it up and i've got to tell you why because i have a meeting in exactly three minutes <laughs> oh my goodness yes yeah. so uh so drew thank you man so much for for joining us on the show i have been wanting to get you on here since before dave was on the program so oh. um so i'm glad we finally got it to happen oh, so man. This,
0: this, you know so this it. is like an american Like organizing like the Camp David Accords or something like that, (laughs) international affair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At a time when the
3: Canadian border is closed too. I know. And they're
1: reuniting the countries. That's right, Dave. You are a uniter. You are not a divider. And (laughs) and so, thank you for that. You're showing us what we can be. You're
0: welcome.
3: Totally. (laughs) I don't don't want to overstate things, but when people look back at this moment in history, I think they'll look at this podcast. This
2: podcast. This episode.
3: There was an unprecedented unity between the two countries. I don't that's know. right. Maybe that's, I, this I, I, was I a sign were... of hope.
0: Right. Now. <laughs> uh, I'm just glad you didn't say this was our Normandy. <laughs> no, wait a minute! Whoa! Hey. <laughs> hey, it I mean, good,
1: that would an have an been eight. an acceptable reference, but uh, <laughs> this was
0: better. <laughs> okay.
1: That for me. All right. So Drew,
0: this was awesome. Thanks, oh, man. man. Thank, Thank you so, you guys much. so
3: much.
1: Great mm-hmm. to to uh, meet you, Scarlet, and uh, great to talk to all of you. Too. You
3: All too. right,
1: uh, guys, thanks for listening to the show. And, uh, of course, you know what to do. Leave your five-star rating and review. We do not care how sincere it is, as long as it's five-star. And uh, <laughs> we will talk to you later. <laughs> Bye.
0: This is an Area Code podcast.